Hi, and welcome to the new series of The Bottom End, a podcast for people living with Crohn's or colitis. I'm Luke Eskin, and together with my fellow cronies Brittany Nickel and Justin Singh, I'm going to be delving into the deep, dark underbelly of what it's like to live with IBD. And hopefully showing you that it's not so deep and dark after all. I'll also be getting some medical insights from gastroenterologist Dr. Ed Giles. In this episode of The Bottom End, we're going to be discussing dating and relationships. Uh, Some of this discussion may be adult in nature and not suitable for younger listeners. That's your cue to leave now, younger listeners. How do you feel about dating? Is it something you think about some of the time, a lot of the time, all the time? Does the thought of dating with IBD or talking about IBD on a date with someone you like fill you with a looming sense of dread? Well, you're not alone. Brittany, Justin and I have all faced this situation and in this episode we're going to be sharing our own tips and experiences both about how scary it can be but also about how to challenge that fear and hopefully open yourself up to the possibility of something wonderful. Thanks again to AbV and Crohn's and Colitis Australia for helping us get this series out there. We hope you find it helpful. Hi, I'm Luke Eskin, and today we're going to be discussing a very important topic that is often left unexplored in our doctor's appointments. Um, I'm talking about dating and relationships. How do you talk about IBD with a potential date? Should you even mention it? And if so... When and how? What about if you've had ostomy surgery and have the bag? When do you bring that up? And how are people going to react when you do? Well, you might be surprised to hear that it's often not as bad as you might think. In fact, it can sometimes be a really positive experience. What do you think about that, Justin? How did you approach dating in school? No one wanted to date me when I was in school. Like, I remember I had a crush on every single girl. (laughs) And so I'm not kidding you. Like, when I say I did not focus on studies, all I focused was on girls. And I had, like, I just was in love with every single girl. And they all started with S. Susanna, (laughs) Susie, Samantha, Sarah, Sarah, like, and... um, yeah, but like I remember I wrote this um, poem for this girl and I was like, hey, dear, dear Leslie. And so she, she's an L, so she breaks the S, right? But dear Leslie, um, you know, you're, you're such a nice person, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It was so cheesy, right? And then I was like, okay, cool. Maybe she's going to like me. And then uh, so I gave it to her. And then she comes back to me like a day later. She goes, oh, Justin, I just want to be friends. And I was like, oh, my heart broke. And I'm like, I'm never going to date anyone. (laughs) Like, this is stupid. And this is like the focus of my year 11 and 12 where everyone's like, okay, we're going to go for uni. I'm like, who am I going to date? Right. So when the poem doesn't work, that means you have to talk to them first. That's terrifying. I was so shy of talking to girls that I used to go to the shops and and, um, you had the checkout people and and they would have to be nice like hi can i help you today are you you know is there something i can help you with and uh i'm like oh my gosh they talk to me like oh yeah i'm good thanks and then i walk away so they're like um have building that reference in your mind that people like you is important and then even like um like just going and having conversations with people and the more evidence you can find for yourself that you're hot or that people would date you it makes it easier and then the next thing is to do the 
the big leap and ask someone out. And uh, I remember I asked out quite a lot of people and a lot of them said no. And um, I used to say to myself, well, it was just uh, one, you're just one no closer to the yes. That's a great way to look at it. Um, every little step gets you closer to being more confident and getting out there. But what about telling people about IBD? There's some things you just can't hide, like like having an ileostomy, right? How did that affect you when you when you were getting into dating? I remember the first time I saw someone with a colostomy bag, I always thought of it as a, an old man's uh, disease or like an old man with a with a bag. That's you know that's who has it. People in nursing homes. It was so terrifying because like. Um, the image, especially when you're young and you're dating lots of people, or you date, you, everyone's dating and you're not dating, and I'm not dating. You know, um, it's so daunting to say I'm going to get a bag because you. I remember when uh, I had the option of getting a bag when I was 12. I was putting off for putting it off for so long, and then uh, I eventually met this guy uh, when I was 18, and he was he had a bag, but he was like he had a big beer gut and he had the bag and he showed me changing it and I freaked the hell out and I was like this is the most disgusting thing ever I like I'm never actually gonna consider having a bag and it was so painful because I was like it's either medication or this ugly bag I remember I said you know what this disease like I, I had like strictures I had like bowel cut out and then uh, the doctor said we do you want to consider having a bag? I said, okay, all right, let's have the bag. So um, I had an ileostomy done when I was 21. So 21's the, the time, right? Everyone's like, yeah. like girls are like, Those the, are the years. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> like when I had the bag, um, I was just so like the biggest thing for me, I was afraid of, oh, is anyone going to love me? Is anyone, am I ever going to have sex? Like the big S word, right? So then I ended up, um, I ended up having a girlfriend, and then she, uh, you know, she had, she had sex with me. I'm like, wow, okay, interesting. It doesn't make me you know, broken. And I asked her, does it freak you out? Does it? Do you feel grossed out by it? She goes, no. And then I, um, yeah, then I started dating, and it was like this cover lifted off, and I was like. Oh, okay. People aren't actually that bad. And then I remember taking my shirt off and walking down Bondi Beach, and people would look, and then nothing happened. Mm. Like people would stare, and then nothing happened. Like, oh, is that the worst that would happen? Is that the worst, right? I've only had two people in my life go, "Ew, what's that?" And there were and there were friends of mine, and I said to them, "Are you kidding me? Like you're my friend, and you, and this is how you react?" And I said, "I just don't want to be friends with you." And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, that was not right. And I was, yeah. So if you're being, di like, what I'm saying is if you're being diagnosed and you have to have uh, a bag put on, um, it really is not as bad as you think in your mind. Like, it, it's not. Well, that's it. I yeah. think there's so much fear, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and what we've all learned, I think, is to challenge, to actively challenge the fear. Because the fear is almost certainly worse than actually just doing the thing that you're afraid of yeah once you do it so like, well, hey that wasn't that really wasn't that bad it was nowhere near as bad as you make it in your mind mm. the mind magnifies and multiplies the fear so learning to challenge that 
is a big part and it starts starts at the moment of diagnosis doesn't it that's that's the time i mean it would be great i, I think it was a long time before I spoke to anyone else that actually lived with IBD, but I think if I'd spoken to someone else at the moment of diagnosis or around that time, some peer support, I'd think I could have, I could have saved six or seven years of not dealing with it. I, I think I would have felt a lot of validation from hearing someone else's story of hardship and knowing that that person is there and they can talk and it's okay, and it's okay for me to talk. The concept that I learned a long time ago is to transform what your um, biggest fear is and make it the biggest benefit of you. So I was afraid, oh, no one will love me because of my Crohn's. And I said, everyone loves me because of my Crohn's because it makes me humble, it makes me uh, relatable, and people are super inspired by me. Yes, the power of positive thinking. It can take you a long way. Um, So let's start talking about relationships. When you're starting relationships or you're in a position where you think something might turn into either a short-term relationship or a, a longer relationship, how do you, uh, do you try to completely avoid the topic of Crohn's disease or is it something you'll try to be upfront about? What's your thoughts on this, Brittany? I literally only wrote something in the notes on my phone about this the other day because this day and age, it's like a lot of online dating and apps. And for someone who's always been in long-term relationships, I've never really been presented with that issue. So from a young age, I like my first boyfriend, I was, I think, 17 and I was with him till I was 20. And that whole period, I had an ileostomy bag and it wasn't a problem. And, and then we broke up and I went through that transition. I'm like, oh, what do I do? I'm just, you know got to start dating and then I met my next partner who I was with for six or seven years and again it wasn't it wasn't an issue at the time we met I didn't didn't have a bag but it was something that I was open about with my health and what I'd been through and and I was completely open and honest about um, I guess my situation and it actually led to I required surgery while we were in the relationship and I ended up with the ileostomy again in 2015 for 12 months and and he was by my side and and was completely understanding of the situation so for me to now be single again um it's it's been a big transition this day and age because I'm like well I mean as much as I've got a social media presence people can go on there and quite openly see that I've got an ileostomy bag and I've got Crohn's and got this but at the same time I'm like well when's the right time like when do you actually talk about it and I still haven't been able to pinpoint that I don't know if there's ever a right time or ever a wrong time I think it all just depends on on the situation and on the person and and, you know if you connect and you're comfortable with with speaking to someone I guess that's a good thing and if you can open up great but if you can't get to a point where you can open up you can start to question whether or not it's the right person in the first place that's a great answer I think Justin, what do you think about that? Yeah, so uh, with with relationships and dating, like Brittany says, it's 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 a it's a it's it's a fine balance to figure out when the right time is. And I experimented from everything from telling someone up front to telling someone like right at the last minute, and uh, like last minute is in like when you're about to go when you're in bed and you're making out and you say I've got something to tell you. What did you find with that experiment? Like, yeah. did, was there a result of the experiment, or was it like Brittany said? It sort of depends on the person and the situation. I, I found personally, like, um, and I had this stupid story that no one wants to um, date me or have sex with me, right? Um, that 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 coupled with like having a uh, ileostomy made it very difficult but um 
Yeah, so I found it like I didn't talk about it too much. I might maybe mention it. Um, but it really, the more that I was okay with myself, the more it didn't matter. And um, yeah, that was the main thing, as long as I was okay with it. And sometimes I would get to the point with a girl and I'd take her home and we'd be in bed and she goes, oh, what's that? And I would say, look, I, you know, I've got a bag. I don't tell people normally that I've got a bag because you know, it's a very close, intimate thing to me. And uh, it often like warps people's perceptions of me. So, um, yeah, is, is it all is it all good? Is everything all right? And then, uh, like a hundred percent of the time, it's like no, no, it's it's all good. And um, it's never as bad as I make it out to be. Yeah. What about you, Brittany? Do you do you prefer to be open from the beginning, or is it more of a, a process that you go through depending on how well you know someone? For me, it was like. I've been pretty open about it and there's there are there's there's people that I've come through the surfing industry with since day one and they actually had no idea that I had an ileostomy in the first place they didn't even know my story so it was like there's people that do and don't realize they pick it up they're observant but at the end of the day it's it is what it is and it, it doesn't you know it doesn't it makes you different but it makes you more unique and for me it's like that's something that I'm grateful for you know it's made me stronger it's made me appreciate things and and grown into the person I am and you know it it is I still question it like Justin it's like I've experimented with that you're like do you tell someone do you not tell someone when's but at the end of the day it comes down to the person too and and I've been in instances where I've told someone up front and then it's just fizzled to nothing and then I've been in instances where I've told someone up front and it's developed into something so it really depends on the person on the other side as well. Yeah, and, and honesty is certainly the healthiest relationship to have with yourself. Uh, if you're kind of hiding something or ashamed of something or lying about something, it's not a great way to live with yourself, this sort of uh, self-deception. Um, so I think being honest with yourself makes it easiest to live with yourself and then it makes sense that you would carry that honesty out into the world. And a lot of the time... it it's more in your head than it is in somebody else's head. Absolutely. And if you can get over that barrier, it's like the confidence goes through the roof because you just, it is what it is. Yes, you're right. Uh, confidence in yourself is, is the thing, isn't it? Other than generally being a decent person, of course. But confidence in yourself is, is way more important to other people than superficial details of, of what you might look like or whether you have this or that illness or, or extra fluffy armpit hair or something. People who are going through the condition should know that it doesn't matter. Like, uh, I don't know what it's like for girls, but for guys, we have it quite easy. Like, girls don't care about what we look on the outside. They don't care if we have a bag and uh, or, or how we are because it's more about how you are on the inside. I think there's a really important message here for listeners about how if you face your fears, you can overcome them. For some people, the first step might simply be about being open with their friends about their condition yeah just ask the question i was the opposite i had to, like uh, like you know i absolutely hated myself i left school i was the most bullied person in school and i didn't even want to walk in public and i always wore a hoodie and didn't wear nice clothes because i didn't see myself as a as uh as confident and and uh like like i started rock bottom and to do the hard work uh, is is to work on your inner self. The biggest message 
to, to young people out there listening who are worried about this stuff is just relax. And at the end of the day, it's like it really isn't an issue. Like I, I've had young people that have got Crohn's or colitis and a bag that have reached out to me and and have spoken to one-on-one about it. And one of them in particular was a 16-, 17-year-old boy and he asked me the question about sex and, and whether or not, you know, like I'm, I'm obviously coming from the girl's perspective and he was coming from the boy's perspective and he wondered how to even go down that path and whether it was going to be an issue. And I think it's just about reassuring in the fact that it's not an issue. You can still do everything. You can st- like it doesn't affect that side of your relationship. I'm Luke Eskin, and I've been speaking with Justin Singh and Brittany Nickel. But now it's time for us to get some thoughts from Dr. Ed Giles, a paediatric gastroenterologist from Melbourne. Thanks for being with us today, Ed. Hi, Luke. Uh, thanks for having me here. So, uh, as you've heard, we've been talking about various aspects of that transition from childhood to adulthood. Can I ask? Um, is it a different conversation when you see the child on his or her own for the first time in a consult, you know, without their parents there? Does it change the way you speak? Yeah, it's a very different dynamic, and I feel really privileged that, you know, with different patients and often with the same patient, you can have these conversations with extended family in the room all getting involved um, versus that more traditional one-on-one conversation, and they are very different conversations that you have um, and sometimes with young people, and I think we got that impression from Justin today, probably that first consultation, he probably said about three words, I suspect, but, you know, slowly opening up and really starting to articulate, uh, you know, questions and all of those things on their own, because it's very easy, I think, for young people to sit there and let their parents do all the talking, even at quite an old age. Do you feel uh, very encouraged when you hear a patient asking questions? Yeah, it's great. And I think that, Um, you know, something I would say to all the listeners here is that that's what we we want. You know, we want our patients to challenge us, you know, so they can understand why they're taking these treatments better. So maybe they'll take them (laughs) for a start. Um, But I think that there's no doubt that treatments work better as a sort of partnership together. And, you know, there are times when there needs to be a discussion about, you know, is surgery the right option? You know, what medicine would would be best um, and sometimes it's very obvious as the medical profession what the right pathway is, but sometimes it's not, and it has to be that, that discussion, and it's much better that that discussion's had with the patient than with the parent, almost always. Are the questions always about treatment, or do you find there's, there's certain questions that you get asked a lot that, that have to do with, say, um, uh, socialising or, or finding work or, or sort of lifestyle things? I mean, one of the reasons it was great for me to hear about your discussions earlier is that I think that in a busy clinic I feel I don't often have enough time to have those conversations and I feel chastened that I don't do it more because they're definitely the most satisfying consultations when you do feel you've just got even an extra minute to talk a little bit about you know what's going on at uni at work at school you know what are the other things that is happening in your life Um, because I think that you know, particularly when the parents aren't in the room, there are these questions that come up um, and addressing things about forming relationships, you know, all of this stuff, drugs, smoking, all the the obvious things. But, you know, these things are never going to be discussed in a proper way with a parent in the room. 
Do you, do you have many conversations with uh, adolescents about things like drugs and smoking, sex? Not, not enough, and I, and I think that's you know, partly my fault. It's partly time, but it's partly that the environment isn't right. Um, and so you know, I would encourage all the listeners who are patients there, you know, it is okay to say to your parents, look, can I just have a quick word with the doctor? Or you know, say maybe, and I think Brittany touched on this, some appointments are less critical than others. And maybe they're good appointments to that you can go on your own and ask those other questions that have been, you know, what's going to happen about, you know, will it be okay for me to get pregnant at some point? You know, these things that maybe aren't acute right now but are important, you know, alcohol, all of these things that people do worry about. And it can be quite difficult, I think, to access good information online about some of this stuff anyway. Yeah, looking back at my own uh, time as an adolescent with IBD, I, I feel like I missed quite a few opportunities to really have some some very uh, productive and in, in, informative conversations with with some some health professionals um, I feel like I I could have turned that team into uh, a support team and and a team of allies I don't feel that they really made the effort to engage with me on that but uh, you know perhaps as a patient you do have the opportunity to create allies wherever you go in the health system they're just waiting to be part of your team really it's just a a, a question of going in there with the right mentality that this is for you this is to help you like you've got access to all these amazing professionals yeah. they're there for you um, do you think boys? There's, there's a sort of cliche about um, men, uh, particularly men, but we don't really talk so much about boys, but a lot of men are just boys that haven't quite grown up, but they've got lots more hair and muscles and stuff, um, that we just don't talk about our health. We don't ask for help. We don't talk about problems. We just sort of sit there making these monosyllabic uh, grunts. Uh, do you think, do, do you notice a big difference between the willingness of boys and girls to ask questions? Yeah, I think there is a difference, although there's such a difference between individuals. That's the main, that's the, the, you know, everyone's so different. And I certainly have, you know, female patients, um, young women who don't speak much and articulate young boys who will talk. But there is a, there is a sort of stereotype that there is some truth to of, of the, of the, of the teenage boy just sitting there grunting, you know, you know, if pressed, might say yes or no to a question if you really push them, but it can be hard to get much out of them. But but people grow up and you manage through those times. So I think everyone's different, but you've just got to try and find a way to engage them. And I think what you said about, you know, I think what most IBD teams, particularly looking after young people, we are trying to create that environment, that safe space where you feel like there is there is a team that can look after you that you can ask these questions to but it can be difficult in a rushed clinical environment i think that's a phrase Brittany used as well the idea of a safe place i think it's really important to know that uh, especially if you're there on your own uh, as a patient that is a safe place and you can ask questions that uh, you know instead of just going on the internet and going on forums you, you actually have the opportunity to have that that really meaningful conversation Thanks so much for giving us your point of view, Ed. I hope the listeners out there are reassured listening to you that their doctors can be a good person to talk to about, you know, more than just the illness or the medication. This is Luke Eskam. Um, we've been talking about living with Crohn's with Brittany Nickel, Justin Singh and Dr. Ed Giles here on The Bottom End. Ba, 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 
Thanks for listening. And don't forget to tune in to the other episodes in our series for more insights, revelations, and general gut spilling. Hopefully only the metaphorical kind. We hope that sharing our stories will help all of you out there who are living with IBD. And we'd like to thank AbV and Crohn's and Colitis Australia for bringing this podcast to the IBD community. Before we sign off, we have some legal statements we need to make on their behalf. Firstly, everything we said is intended for an Aussie audience only, and our experiences or the things that work for us might not apply to you. So nothing that we or even Dr. Ed says in these podcasts can replace the advice of your own healthcare professionals who understand your personal situation. If you want more information or advice on your specific situation or medical condition, please talk to your own healthcare team. They're the experts, not us, and not the interweb. And of course, all of our opinions and experiences are ours, and they do not necessarily represent the views of AbbVie and Crohn's and Colitis Australia, CCA. If you are feeling down or this discussion has brought up any mental health issues for you, please reach out to a crisis line such as Beyond Blue by calling 1300 224636. If you would like to speak with someone about your management of IBD or make an appointment to talk with an IBD nurse, then please contact CCA's IBD helpline or nurse line on 1-800-138-029. If you'd like any information from ABV, please contact their medical information team at medinfoanz at abv.com. That's M-E-D-I-N-F-O-A-N-Z at abv.com or call 1-800-043-460. Podcast ID AU IMMG 210001, produced in July 2021. At the Proprietary Limited, Mascot New South Wales 2020. Bum, bum, bum.